Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the Kingdom of God. And right now, we're we're entering the last stages of our uh, series on the mire. Uh, we we read in the Bible the dog returns to his vomit and the pig to his mire, and in the mire it's full of uh, you know uh, we're all filthy and covered with mud and feces and uh, we're really messed up and uh, that's pretty much society in general today I see uh, uh, lots of problems uh, over the centuries being a student of history how we get into these messes Uh, and uh, so many people now this is an election time in the United States and people are you know arguing over who should be the next president of the United States as if that's going to solve something and uh, resolve something uh, or at least maybe slow down uh, the decline and fall of the American empire. And uh, the reality is is uh, before governments will change, men must change. And uh, most men don't want to change. They're too busy. Uh, they're just they're just not interested in what it takes to be a free people, because you know, like they always say, freedom is not free. And so we've gone through this series. We've got quite a few hours. We've posted a lot of them. Uh, our past shows uh, we've put together uh, shows on this network and other uh, radio stations. We've kind of put them all together in a series where you can go through it and listen to it. And, and it's one of those things where you have to kind of listen to more than once because there are lots of bits and pieces. You're really going to need to study a little bit to find out the meaning of words because we use words like freedom and liberty. And we, we really don't know what the, that means. Uh, at least not the, the wholesome liberty and freedom that uh, is the freedom under God to do the will of God, which is to love one another, which is what pure religion is taking care of one another. And we have ministers who actually go into homes and help take care of the elderly. And uh, they do this because they serve Christ and they are led to do it with this home or that home because they are led to do it. The people of that home are not always as giving as they ought to be. Uh, They are not as loving as they ought to be. But for some reason, God puts us there to test us, to test others. And and Jesus talks about this when he talks about, uh, you know, just after he talks about the excuse makers who say, oh, I, I, yeah, I want to follow you. I want to do what you're saying. Uh, but first, let me go bury the dead. Or, uh, you know, I, I got to go say goodbye to my family before I leave. You know, I got to I got to go do this. Oh, I'm really busy now. Uh, I've got so much going on in my life. I just don't have time for my neighbor or for Christ, or to do what He wants us to do. And the fact is, is there aren't any slothful people in the kingdom of God. Uh, you can go to a lot of churches, and you'll find a lot of slothful people. A lot of people don't do anything. They just come for the music. They come because their wife wants them to come. They come because they think the children ought to have some exposure to church. Uh, they got all kinds of reasons why they come, but they're not really coming for Christ. Because if you're really coming for Christ, you're coming to be diligent. To show thyself approved. Because that's what the Bible actually says. It doesn't say study. The the Greek text says to be diligent to show thyself approved. And 
you know, I mean, you go back to the Old Testament, the New Testament, and, and there, there's a New Testament philosophy that's floating around that there's nothing you have to do, you just have to believe. But the word belief compels doing the, you know, what is the truth, as Pilate says? Uh, what does it mean to believe the truth? You, When you really believe something, it's a conviction. It forces you, by that faith, to do certain things. Because, you, and if you have faith in Christ, you're going to do what Christ says. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. You will do that. You can't help yourself. You just have to. I, you know, it's, it's kind of like the old story of Huck Finn, where Huck Finn had been taught as a child that an abolitionist is bad and that you should enslave people and uh, you should keep them suppressed and oppressed. And, uh, and, and that uh, that was good to not be an abolitionist. But deep down in his heart, because you know, of the character of Mark Twain, who was writing the story of Huck Finn, uh, he, he wanted to help Jim. You know, I, I'm amazed at the number of people who think that uh, the story of Huck Finn was racist. Uh, the most noble character in, almost the most noble character in the book, Huck Finn, is the black slave Jim. He wasn't always that smart, although he was he's smarter a lot of times than Huck. I mean, he saw right through the crooks that they came across. He risked everything to help uh, Huck. Uh, he he was one of the noblest characters there. Um, and yet people don't see that because they don't see with eyes that have eyes for righteousness, for, for, for what is good. And that's what's happened. We have become blind and we are following blind guides and we are trying to elect blind guides. Now, obviously, the the uh, confessed socialist Democrat who is desiring to uh, take as much as he can from those who have and, and supposedly give to those who have not, but in reality, they're just in it for the power that they want. Most people won't see that because they don't want to see that. They don't want to see that the reason they're electing these social democrats is because they have covetous hearts. They covet their neighbor's goods. They want their neighbor to be forced to give so that they will have as many benefits as they possibly get. You know, free health care, free education. Of course, it's not free. It's always at the expense of somebody else. But it's somebody they don't really know, so it's okay. It's the old red button uh, concept. Somebody somewhere is going to suffer because you push the red button. But you're going to get a lot of stu neat stuff. And so you push the red button because you want the neat stuff. And you don't really care about that person somewhere else that you don't even know. But then you become that person because he takes the red button and he gives it to somebody else. And somebody else pushes it, and then you lose everything. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. This is the way it works. This is why you are in bondage today. It's actually why the American Indian, many of the American Indians, I shouldn't say all, because many American Indians were really great people. 
but many of American Indians were, you know, Native Americans, whatever you want to call them, were killing each other, invading each other's tribe, taking over, you know, the, the practice of kidnapping people from another tribe, taking them to your tribe and holding them there as slaves was common amongst American Indian tribes. Not all tribes, but many of them. Uh, brutal uh, torture of anyone outside of your tribe. This is what goes on in Africa. Africa, many African communities have a great sense of family and sense of community. They really help one another out in their community. But it's tribal. And so, therefore, they, they will die to save somebody in their tribe. They will sacrifice to save somebody in their tribe. But the next tribe, ah, kill them. Steal from them. This was a common thing amongst many American Indians. The idea of taking somebody else's life, taking somebody else's land, taking somebody else's daughter, and, and using them as a slave for yourself or for your own purposes was common amongst the American Indians. Now, I'm saying many American Indians were very noble and wouldn't do this and had uh, unbelievable character. Well, the same amongst the whites. There were many whites who died protecting Indians. There were many whites who uh, aligned uh, with a righteous relationship with the Native Americans. And, 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 you know, like as for slavery in America, only 1.4% of Americans own slaves. Indians own slaves, black slaves, Indian slaves, white slaves. Uh, not all Indians, but there were many who were. But only blacks own black slaves. So it's not about race. It's not about Indian or not Indian or, uh, you know, Irish or Norwegian or whatever country you are from or nationality or race. It's about righteousness. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It's about righteousness. It doesn't matter what... Uh, you know, if you're a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or a Catholic or a Protestant, these things don't matter. What matters is what you, are you really doing? And what you're really doing often is coveting your neighbor's goods. And when you're not, when you say, well, I'm not going to go get public, free public school at the expense of my neighbor. I'm not going to go get health care at the expense of my neighbor. I'm not going to do these things. That's great. But that's still not make, that does not make you kingdom worthy. Because you have to be diligent in the ways of Christ. Because as you are diligent... And, and it's not about earning salvation. Which is what they always say. Oh, there's nothing you do to earn salvation. Absolutely right. It's the evidence of whether or not you really have faith. In Christ. If you really have faith in Christ, you'll do what he did. What did he do? He sacrificed himself for others. For people he didn't even see or meet or know. He didn't just love the apostles. He loved all of us. Are you doing that or are you too busy? I got so many, I got so many things to do. You know, the excuse makers. I just sent out a notice that the radio show was beginning and, uh, in it I connected to a, you know, a page that 
uh, I entitled really quickly, uh, Excuse Makers. Because uh, a lot of us are excuse makers. You know, we see it in Matthew 8, 21, 22. And another of his disciples, this is one of his own disciples, said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. How are the dead burying the dead? Well, that's, that sounds like zombies. <laughs> that's what we have. We have the zombie apocalypse. People who say, Lord, Lord, but they don't do the will of the Father. They don't come together and love one another. They don't love... They, they Oh, they'll sometimes gather in some little local congregation or with their friends and they'll love them. And, and they may even love their family. They may take care of their family. You know, like, uh, are all the sons taking care of their mothers and their fathers? Are they doing that? Or are their mothers and fathers taking care of them? Ask themselves that. You know, I mean, everybody's got an excuse. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, or I can't do that, or I can't do this. But, you know, you think those excuses are going to hold up to somebody who hung on the cross for you? You know, I'm sure it was an inconvenience to hang on the cross. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was an inconvenience for Christ. I mean, actually, I'm being sarcastic here because he even said he'd rather not do this. I'd rather not do this. I mean, God, has God ever asked you to do something you'd rather not do? Well, now the question is, did you do it anyway? Well, Christ asked us all to love one another. Now, how are you going to do that if you don't gather together? How are you going to do that if you don't forgive one another? How are you going to do that unless you're generous to a fault? We have ministers that are taking care of people and people who are taking care of people and getting very little or nothing for it. In some cases, they have done it for months and months and received nothing in return from the people they were helping. Not a thing. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And they don't see it. But yet, the individuals who, who I've seen do this continue to do it with fervent charity. Because they weren't doing it for what they would receive from others. They were doing it because they were led to do it. A very important idea in the kingdom of God. Christ sent people out right after he, he you know, he, he said the same thing in Luke 9.61. He says, for another also said, and he's talking about disciples. These are guys who have already said that we're going to follow you. We're going to learn to be ministers in your church, etc., etc. And he says, Lord, I will follow thee, he says. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And we have people who want to be ministers here with us and then they look back. And they want to go back to the old ways. They want to go back, you know, either, you know, to uh, patriot myths, uh, you know, that uh, 
somehow or other I can overcome this by nullifying my contracts or avoiding contracts. No, it has to do with seeking righteousness. Yeah, and and you might want to try to avoid contracts, but not at the expense of righteousness. You know, like people avoid contracts, but then they cripple themselves so that they can't even take care of their own family. They can't. They can't take care of anybody else. They can't even take care. Of, they can barely take care of themselves, and many times they can't even take care of themselves. They have to depend upon people who got tons of contracts in order to take care of themselves. And they and they want to go from house to house, depending on others, but they don't want to have any contracts with the world. But are they really servicing the world? Are they really laying? I, I tell you that if if people want to come here and learn to be ministers, we have not really started a boot camp. I've, I've pretty much given people a free reign when they've come here. You know, there's always work to be done. But I give them free reign to find out how diligent they really are. And sometimes they're diligent. Sometimes they're not so diligent. Sometimes they can putter away and get nothing done for long periods of time. It's it's astounding uh, to me, you know, because we work. I met a rancher the other day in town, and I've known this rancher for a long time. And they're, they they have many many characteristics of the kingdom of God in their life, and one of the things that they have is that they are diligent workers. They are workers. And they try to be pretty fair. And they are generous in charity, not always generous in what they do. <laughs> you know, I mean, in business, let's put it that way. In business, they're, they, they're pretty careful about business. But business is business. I mean, they're not going to cheat anybody. Uh, but it's kind of like horse trading. There's always two prices of a horse. The price you want to sell it for and the price you're willing to buy it for. <laughs> and these these prices are seldom the same. <laughs> and the distance between them, now if you want to turn this into an algebraic formula, the distance between those two prices is inversely proportionate to the quantity of Christianity in that individual horse trader's heart. <laughs> You know, uh, because, you know, they they are absolutely... I know somebody who bought a piece of ground that he was selling for... He actually divided it up and he was selling one piece of it for $40,000. And I think that was... Um, it was three parcels all together. And one quarter of it he was going to sell for $40,000, offering to sell it for $40,000. He bought all the pieces for $12,000 on time from an old woman in a convalescent home in a wheelchair at a low uh, non-commercial rate of interest. And here you got a woman who's going to die in a couple of years and you put her on a 10-year contract to buy what you think is worth 160000 or more. Actually, I think that it wasn't even a quarter of the land. It was even less than that. I can't remember now all the details. I think one was 160 acres. Altogether, I think it was 360, 360 acres he bought for $12,000 on time. 
It was desert ground. It's worth more than that. It wasn't worth the $40,000 an acre he was trying to sell it for, which would have made it, uh, not $40,000, $1,000 an acre he was trying to sell it for. So he was trying to sell this 360 acres for $360,000. <laughs> he just bought it for 12000 on time for a woman who will probably never see the last payment. <laughs> And I, I went to the guy. I knew what he was up to because I went and looked up the records and I went to him and I talked to him about it. This is, I said, you know, this is, this is not right. It's not moral what you're doing. I mean, it's legal. It's just not, not it doesn't, it's not moral. And I was led to go all the way out to the desert and find this guy who was staying in a little cabin. He didn't live there, but he was staying there and talked to him. And, and I had him kind of in tears there for a while. And, you know, I was just led to go out there and talk to him about this. Kind of bold, you'd think. <laughs> I was the last one to see him alive. He was dead the next day in his car, driving back home to California. And uh, pulled over to the side of the road and died. And he had told me that he was going to try to get with a church the next day. And, you know, when he got back home and, and start, you know, content. Because he... He could see what he was doing was not moral. It wasn't fair to the old lady. It wasn't fair to the people he was trying to con into buying this land, which wasn't worth $1,000 an acre. Um, uh, and it was, just, it was just immoral. It's like finding a retarded guy who found a gold coin and saying, well, you can't even spend that in the store. You know, I'll give you 10 bucks for it, uh, or I'll give you all this candy for it, and you give him this candy, and then he goes off with the candy, and you take the the $1,000 gold coin, and you go somewhere else, and you tell somebody how this is going to be worth $3,000 someday, and you sell it to him for two, knowing that his market value today is only 1200 or $1,300. That's dishonest. It's legal. It's business. But it's dishonest. And, you know, you shouldn't... And it's because of sloth that he does this. He doesn't want to earn the money the old-fashioned way. So he cons people. Legally. You know. It it probably will be worth 3000 someday, but it's not worth 2000 today. But he takes advantage of people's ignorance. Well, you know, the thing about that is... There's always somebody smarter than you. And they're just going to come along and they're going to take advantage of you. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. This, we seem to be a little off track here, but really this is this what is. Correlate this with what you're really doing on a day-to-day basis in the world today. You're, you are in bondage because of sloth and covetousness. You say, well, I'm not covetous. I don't want any of their benefits. But you're still slothful in the ways of righteousness. Now, the, these wheeler dealers, they, they, they're even farther. But you've got to make it all the way. You can't jump halfway across a precipice. Even 90% across, you still don't make it. Let's put on the full armor. Let's, when we come back, let's look at some practical things that we can do.
So anyway, the, much of the series is going to be available uh, to you, uh, along with you know hundreds of articles. Uh, we just put out a couple new articles, or we've upgraded several articles uh, in the last week. And if you're on the Living Network, you receive notification of some of those articles and how they were linked together and how we were going to tie them together in the rest of this series on Out of the Mire, how how to be saved from the mire. We're, we're back in the mire again. We've coveted our neighbor's goods. We were slothful in the ways of righteousness. And therefore, we become human resources, merchandise, surety for debt. All these things were talked about over and over again in the Bible. Uh, all in relationship to our contracts with government, our agreements with government. And uh, then we were set free by Moses. And then again, we had to be set free by Jesus Christ. And he expressed more clearly than we see in the Old Testament, although he was constantly quoting Moses. He's revealed talking with Moses. Wouldn't you like to have been at that conversation? What were those two guys talking about? And with Elijah. This is, this is repeated. The Bible talks about government hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. It mentions religion five times, and four of those in a bad sense. Good religion is when you take care of one another without depending upon the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. You can't do that unless you gather together. It's not a kingdom if you're only a little groupy congregation. It's only a kingdom when you care about people from one end of that kingdom to the other. When you cast your bread upon the waters and after many days hope that it comes back to you. Mystically, we've talked about how this works. But practically, it also works. And throughout history, that's why we write these books, That Kingdom Come, and give you copies of them. Make them available online for absolute free, no charge. But if you're going to be too slothful and don't want to read them, don't want to listen to them, don't want to take the time to ponder the message in them, then I can't help you. Because you won't be helped. You're too busy. You got to go do this. You got to go do that. Uh, you know, I know busy. I know busy. <laughs> you cannot be too busy for the salvation of your soul. You cannot be too busy for that. From the day you were born, you entered a testing ground called earth. And you are at that test today. And you're failing it terribly, which is why the whole world is headed for serious, serious trouble. Yeah, I gave the example of the Indians in the in the first part of the show because somebody had just brought it up because they saw something on Facebook. People are going around, you know, like, supposedly the whites came here and stole all the lands from the Indians. They were stealing it from each other. And now we got Europe being overrun by... Uh, Violent Muslims killing people in Brussels and Paris and going to do a lot more. Raping women, children by the thousands. By the thousands. In Sweden alone, thousands of women have been raped by these refugees. Now, all refugees aren't doing that, which is why you want to go through some sort of vetting process. But more than that, you want to have a society where people are safe. 
You don't get a society where people are safe when you give the responsibility of the safety of society to men who exercise authority, who can force your contributions so that they can put police in the streets. It's not going to work. It's only going to work when you love your neighbor as yourself. And that love takes practice. That's why you gather together to love your neighbor as yourself and to learn what that means And not just love those that love you, because there's no grace in that. You have to love those who don't love you. You know, this is one of the things I was pondering just yesterday. This whole thing of forgiveness. You know, you can't just forgive nice guys. You got to forgive jerks, too. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, that's, that's because that's where grace comes from. That's where real power comes from. That's where healing power comes from. Is when you forgive jerks. It's easy to forgive a nice guy. I, I actually saw somebody in a store the other day and and uh, something that one of the customers did irritated the employee. I could see it irritated her. And uh, so I ended up uh, bantering with her a little bit. But she wasn't having it. I mean, she smiled at me and everything. I could get her to forgive my, uh, you know, I, I missaw something and uh, and then corrected myself and uh, and she, uh, got a smile out of her uh, because I was apologetic. But then I could see her go back into this dark place because she was still angry at the previous customer <laughs> that she had to deal with and his impatience. And so she became impatient with him and you couldn't get her to let go of that anger she was just she was going to hang on to it it was eating away at her you could see it you know I could see it you probably couldn't see it I could see it affecting because this isn't the first time she's been a long chain of this holding this grudge it's affecting her marriage it's affecting her skin it's affecting her health you, you want the power of Christ, you have to have the character of Christ who forgave people who pounded nails into him. Stood up for righteousness. I mean, he walked into the money changers and said, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Get out of here. Millions and millions of dollars at stake. And he faced them with courage. And they fled before him. Because of his courage. They'd never seen a man with courage. They'd seen lots of men with greed and selfishness in their hearts. And they could manipulate them. Go back to the guy who was, uh, you know, buying the land for pittance of its value. And selling it for twice, ten times its value. To make money off of other people's ignorance. And, and he dies. You know, I've mentioned this before. These guys who go in and kill people, you know, they shoot up in some gun-free zone. They go in there and shoot people. And then they're finally confronted with somebody with a gun and they kill themselves. That's a pattern of evil. Well, it's also a pattern of evil that if you bite one another, that you yourself will be devoured. If you are covetous, with one another, 
somebody will come along and be covetous to you. Denmark. Very socialistic country. Everybody says, you know, Denmark are the happiest people. They're not the happiest. They have a high rate of suicide. Uh, they got people fleeing Denmark on a regular basis. I mean, people, the Danes, fleeing it. Because they can't, I mean, it's, it's 80 to 90% income tax. Tax on everything you make. Nothing's for free. <laughs> and they're still in debt. Even with that high a tax. And when all the countries around them go down, they'll go down too because they're, they're you know, one of their, their chief, uh, well, there's a number of things that they get. Same way in Netherlands and all these places. They're, they've been socialists so long that you can be raped on the street and nobody will come to your aid. That's why you're not safe. Is because nobody has been safe from you. Now follow this. You were willing to take from your neighbor so that you could have free school, free health care, free, 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 all this. And now somebody comes into your midst who wants to take the virginity of your daughters. They want to rape virgins. They want to rape virgins. They are obsessed with it. And so they end up raping 300 children in Sweden in less than a year. You know, underage girls. They love it. And it's not all refugees. I don't want to... But that element is there. And you have no protection against it. Why? Because you were willing to rape your neighbor to get your free benefits. You, You thought it was okay to force your neighbor to contribute to what you wanted to have for free. You didn't get it for free. It's costing you. It's costing you dearly. But it also costs you the character of your society. So you're being overrun. And you haven't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. Way worse. So we'll go back to the American Indian. Why was the American Indian overrun? And they weren't all overrun. Many of them, you know, they just uh, incorporated themselves into the modern society that was coming across from the Atlantic. And became farmers and everything else. It's when they hung on to a tribal identity rather than a righteous identity that they found themselves in trouble. Same in Africa. Back to what I mentioned in the earlier part of the show. They have great... You can go down to Mexico. Great family values in many parts of Mexico. Uh, Many of the communities will have... Uh, great family values, and even in some places, great community values. But the next community, huh, it's not not your concern. And this, of course, is why Europe fell back in around 900 to 1000, 1100 A.D. When one valley after another fell because they cared about their valley, but they didn't care about the next valley. It's tribal. It's not righteous. They're not looking. They're not seeking righteousness. You should have loyalty to one thing only. The righteousness of God. Not to your valley. Not to your community. Not to your family. But to the righteousness of God. This mysterious force in creation that gives life. That's where your loyalty belongs. 
And you have to pursue that with diligence. So, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But you're too busy. You know, we, we read in, in the, one of the last shows I did on this on another network. Uh, I went through Deuteronomy 15, 1 to 15, 15. And 15, 15 says, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondsman in the land of Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. Which was what? Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flocks. Your servant. I mean, the laborer is worthy of his hire. There are people in bondage today. Bondage of disease and illness and everything else. Our minister comes in. They start getting better. But they do not reward the minister according to his labor. They're selfish. But he finds himself there and chooses to be there. He could be somewhere else. But he chooses to be there to test them. And he himself is being tested. What do you hold in value? Are you willing to give up your time, your energy? Like Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Those are the zombies. We're, we're trying to heal zombies. To awaken zombies. To raise the dead from dead to life. You know how you get more life? Christ told you. You have to lay down your life for others so that you can have life more abundant. Back there in Israel, the people ruled themselves. But the people voluntarily came together in a series of small groups, what they call the tens, hundreds, and thousands, ten elders of a family, who gathered together to choose to, pre, to represent, you know, they chose somebody to represent them, some minister, and they tithed to him. He didn't depend upon that tithe simply for his living because he could, the, the, the Levite ministers were not paupers. They didn't have an inheritance in the land, but they had land they held in common. But ten of these administers to the people, these ministers to the people, these servants of the people, they were actually servants of God. They belonged to God. They didn't belong to the people. Their office wasn't created by the people. It was created by God. But the people licensed them to be their minister by saying, we, we choose this man. We gather together in a in ten families and choose this man to be our minister. And that minister gathered together with nine other ministers like himself. And they formed a congregation of ministers and they picked a minister. And he did the same thing. And this way they networked the entire nation together. But God warned them over and over again, don't be tribal. Don't be simply national. They were forbidden to oppress the stranger in their midst. They were told to give the sacrifice of the red heifer. In other words, to those neighbors round about them, they had to bless them with sacrifices that were completely consumed by their neighbors that gave them no personal advantage. They're talking about government in this. They're not talking about piling up stones and burning up sheep or cows. Or red heifers. The sacrifice of the red heifer had nothing to do with a cow or heifer or the color red. 
And we explain this. Over and over again. Go to the website. We, we tell you what that language actually meant. And people at the time of Christ knew this. And they formed a separate voluntary government that took care of the needs of society through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. And they themselves were at liberty. And this came into conflict eventually with the Roman Empire. But fortunately, the Roman Empire empire decayed and fell apart. Because 3% of its population, maybe 5 at the outside, changed. Before kingdoms change, men must change. Christ knew this. And he taught the people this. Now, there, there's a case that appears in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, and involves the East Texas Baptist University and Southern Nazarene University and the Geneva College and, and uh, oh, and the members of the Little Sisters of the Poor, which is a religious order. It's uh, Zubig versus Burwell or something like that. Um, and uh, it all has to do with this Obamacare. That they have to provide insurance that will include abortion, money for abortion, and sterilization and contraception, uh, and drugs that, you know, like RU486. They have to provide that in their insurance programs, even though they consider that to be immoral behavior. They have to provide it. And so they've taken this all the way to the Supreme Court. And Justice uh, Sotomayor, and I remember when she was first being chosen, I received a letter from uh, Herbert Titus talking about her. And I I pointed out some things to him, and he appreciated it. Um, I can't remember her letter right then, but now I actually have it here in my notes. uh, What she said when they were making oral arguments against this, uh, Mr. Clemens, who was representing uh, some of these people, was making oral oral arguments. He says, What I don't understand, Mr. Clement, she says, and this is a practicing Catholic, goes to church and all this stuff, is when, when will any government law that someone claims burdens their practice ever be unsubstantial or insubstantial. Because every believer that's ever come before us, including the people in the military, are saying that my soul will be damned in some way, said Sotomayor. I'm not naysaying that. That is uh, a very substantial perceived personal burden by them. But if that's always going to be substantial, how will we ever have a government that functions? How will we ever have anything that the government can demand people do in objecting that won't be a problem? People can say, well, you know, my soul won't let me do that. My soul won't let me do this. My soul won't let me covet my neighbor's goods. 
so I can't take the benefits that they offer. I can't apply for those benefits. And, and that has long-reaching effect now because of the laws that have been made. Because you don't live in a republic, you live in a democracy. That democracy exists within a republic, but you believe in the democracy. And, and now, those who don't understand what I'm talking about, you need to go and look at all the other places where we talk about this and explain the difference in what the American creed says, because the American creed says the United States federal government is a democracy within a republic. It's not a republic. never was a republic. Most people don't get that. And when you say that, they say, wait a minute, the United States is a republic, the constitutional republic, and da, da, da. No. You weren't even a party to the Constitution originally. You've become a party through those contracts, covenants, and constitutions. And now you're in a democracy. And then democracy has supreme beings who rule over that democracy and tell you what is good and what is evil. And one of those supreme beings is Sotomayor. And Sotomayor is going to decide what she's going to decide and along with all the others. They are... They're deciding good and evil for you. Right and wrong for you. And they have a right to do that. And you're one of their human resources. Because you've been devoured. Because you were willing to take a bite out of one another. That's New Testament. Be careful you do not bite one another lest you be devoured. You've done that. This is why you're in the mire. So I'm going to tie all this together in the next show, but I'm going to touch on the CDC whistleblowers. We just put up a page on autism. And, uh, you know, CDC was the same guys who had this uh, Tuskegee uh, uh, unbelievable thing up until the 1970s were studying people they could cure, but they held back the cure and watched many, many men die, children born, crippled, uh with deadly diseases, women infected, because they wanted to see the study on uh, syphilis. And so they withheld the cure. They killed these people. Uh, back in the 60s, they were spewing bacterial agents from buildings in San Francisco to test how far those bacterial agents would go. And the way they could tell is when the people showed up in the hospitals with pneumonia, they would take cultures and say, oh yeah, they got some of the bacteria that we released that's now killing them. They killed people in San Francisco in the 60s. My father lived there, had pneumonia several times during that period. The government was doing this. Using you. Well, anyway, in, in the videos, you'll see Bill Thompson, whistleblower, came out and showed that the MMR increases the risk for autism by 314%. And, and almost double that in black children. And they've known this for years. And they, they, they don't tell you. They suppress the information. They're killing people. Autism has gone from 1 in 10,000, 1 in 10,000 children, to one, literally 1 in 50 amongst male children. And black male children may be even higher. They're, they're crippling your children. It's like uh, being allowed to go through and sawing off the arm of every soldier in the military. 
they're allowed to do that. And they don't see it because they, you, you have blind guides. You serve the gods of this world. And they're killing you. They're eating you. They're poisoning you. You are a zombie. And we're trying to wake the dead to life. You don't see what you don't see because you won't see what you should see. And this is why... And I tell you that if you wake up and start turning around and going the other way, there will be divine intervention. But even without that, don't you want to seek righteousness for yourself and for your children and your grandchildren and your neighbor's grandchildren? Well, next on Keys of the Kingdom, we're going to give you some of the keys on how to do that. We'll be right back. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what's some of the practical things that we need to look at if we want out of the mire, out of this mess, out of this, uh, out of the path of destruction? And, you know, I mentioned just in the last show, just briefly, real quick, how, um, you know, I mean, the whistleblowers come out and say these things and then they're set upon immediately. Because they're, you know, you, the value of looking at those videos, it's up on our autism page at Preparing You. Uh, 
at least it is today, it may be down <laughs> at another time, they're going to eventually want to shut us up. Because we, we keep pointing out the problem. Now, you can get all worked up about what uh, Bill Thompson tells you and about the CDC and, you know, shake your fist and everything. But you're a part of this. You're a part of this because you've been uh, slothful. You haven't been diligent. Maybe you've been tribal. You know, you you got your church. You know, the Mormon church or the Episcopal church or... You know, whatever church you belong to, Catholic church, whatever. This is all tribal stuff. Kingdom. There's only one church established by Christ. And I, I don't know if I could draw a ring around it. I can't even tell you exactly where it starts and stops. But this is what we're seeking to know, to be, to be a part of. Christ is the one who determines whether you're a part of it or not. He's going to say to many of you who think because you go to some church, read the Bible, got your doctrine, that somehow you're saved because you believe in Jesus. And he's going to say, get ye away from me, ye workers of iniquity. And then you can explain to him how it says, it's not by works. (laughs) The work you do is evidence of your lack of faith. The work you don't do is evidence of your lack of faith. Your lack of repentance. Luke 13.3 I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Repent of what? Change your mind about what? That's what repentance is, changing the mind. So what is it you have to change your mind about? Which doctrine are we talking about? Revelation 2.21 And I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Space. Time. You have space. Reach out around you. That Your arm reaches out. That's space. You're in space. <laughs> We're all traveling in space on this prison planet. <laughs> Where you are being tested. Go back to Revelations 2.19. I know thy works and charity. I mean, Jesus, I mean, Revelation is talking about works. I know thy works and charity and service. How much service are you doing? You know, I, I, I mentioned in the last show that I met a rancher. And, you know, we're talking about ranching things cows and and sheep and all that kind of stuff and uh and you know i'm i'm short-handed here my grandkids are helping out they're working in the barn they're helping feed they're helping fill water troughs and it allows me to come here and talk to you <laughs> uh because i i i they're doing those chores for me in modern society, people think it's a chore to make your bed. I said, the reason you make your bed is because you want to have breakfast. <laughs> if you don't make your bed, you don't get no breakfast. Chores is something extra. It's like if you don't do your chores, this, this lamb dies. You don't do it right, this lamb dies. You know, this calf dies. You know, there's repercussions for your actions. And this is teaching them lessons. And this is why I'm talking to you, is that 
you're not learning your lessons. You're not doing your chores. Believing requires that you would desire to do your chores and do them well. Christ gave you chores, works to do, including charity, service, faith. And he goes on to say, and thy patience and thy works, he repeats. And the last to be more than the first. In other words, we got more works now than Israel did. Jesus raised the bar. Notwithstanding, he says, in Revelations, he's saying, you're doing good. But notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess. You suffer means allow. To teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. We mentioned the the sisters of the poor. We mentioned uh, uh, Texas, East Texas Baptist University. We mentioned Southern Nazarene University, Geneva College, all in that that case of uh, Zubik versus Burwell. They're all supposed to be part of the church. The church. But they aren't all that separate. They're arguing before the gods of this world. The supreme beings. You know, who are going to decide good and evil for them. How is it that they have the power to decide good and evil for them? It's because they have already coveted their neighbor's goods and become merchandise of the supreme beings. And is it not lawful for them to do with their own what they will? Yes, because they belong to that democracy. They have covenanted with it, with the gods of that democracy. I mean, that was, that was one of the most astounding things, and, and for all the new listeners who haven't got this down... The gods many that Paul talks about are the ruling judges of societies. And they are ruling judges because you make covenants with them, contracts with them. Why do you do that? To obtain benefits from them. All those people I mentioned, they all get benefits from the world. They're not in the world only. They're of the world. They're not the church. They're of the world. They're, they don't take care of the widows and orphans through faith, hope, and charity. They take care of widows and orphans through social security, which is something provided by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Jesus said you were not to be that way. All those people are that way. Now, I can't actually say for sure with those... Uh, uh, poor uh, sisters, the little sisters of the poor. I don't, I haven't looked at the rules of their order. But the hospitals they run, I'll bet you anything. Now this, I probably could say guarantee. I haven't actually looked at the paperwork, so I could be wrong. But I suspect that the reason those hospitals can stay afloat is because the patients in them are getting checks every month 
from men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And without those checks, their hospital would close anyway. You see, because their religion is not unspotted either. It may be closer, I don't know, than East Texas Baptist University or the Southern Nazarene University or Geneva College. I don't know. I don't know these people personally. I don't know how they're organized. But if their hospital is dependent upon checks from Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Social Security checks from men who exercise authority, one over the other, then their religion, the visiting of the sick and the poor and the needy, is not unspotted. It's certainly not unspotted at all. And if 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 they have, if they are dependent upon those checks, then personally, for their welfare, it's certainly not unspotted. And so, therefore, Justice Sotomayor is the god of their relationships. And will decide what is good and evil for them. Because they have been fornicating and eating things sacrificed unto idols. That's right. You see, all those benefits, the greatest destroyers of freedom are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. You've heard that from me before, unless, of course, you're a new listener. I sent out a notice to the show to another group. And maybe some of them are listening in. But the reality is that that desire for benefits at the expense of your neighbor is what makes you merchandise. Peter said it. Paul said it. Jesus said it. The prophets all said it. I mean, uh, I mean, David, what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. And Paul quotes David. You can't get clearer than that. So you're in the mire because of your covetousness, but also because of your sloth. Because you say, oh, I'd like to come with you, but I'm busy. I got stuff to do for myself, for my family, for my tribe, for my whatever. You got to go do it for Christ. You got to seek righteousness, not your tribe, not your congregation, not your your religious group. Not not any of those things. You have to put righteousness first. Remember Roger William, uh, who uh, uh, was founded the uh, Rhode Island colony. He didn't like the way they were treating the American Indians, so he walked out of the camp in the middle of the winter and went and lived with the Indians. Wow. Tough. Tough guy. Made a moral decision. His loyalty was not to his tribe, but to righteousness. I don't know about the rest of his life, but that was pretty good. Where's your loyalty? To righteousness? Because in Revelation it talks about, you know, are you are you taking the benefits of of that which was sacrificed to idols. You, many of you can't survive without it. So what 
what day will you fast so that you can contribute to a system that does not depend upon anything but free will offerings? What, what sacrifice are you making? What charity are you producing? Because if you don't start sacrificing your time, your energy, you know, whatever it is, you will not cast out the demons that have taken your lands. And you will be devoured. You know, the, the whole thing with Jezebel uh, cut off the prophets of the Lord. That Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave. How do you, how do you hide a hundred prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? He spared them. Well, folks, this is a test. Are you are you one of those prophets? Are you going to be hid in the cave of the righteous? Because we know that Revelations talks later about people hiding in their dens, praying that the earth falls on them. Where are the righteous to hide when the days of calamity come? Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Revelations 3.3 You better find the time to gather together and seek the righteousness of pure religion, of sacrificing your time, your energy for others. Or do not expect anybody to sacrifice themselves for you. Do not expect anyone to come for you. Do not expect anyone to offer you shelter because you didn't have the time. You were too busy. You see, freedom is not free. Let's look at Exodus 18.21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them. Now, over them as rulers? No. This was long before kings. There were no kings, so they're not over them as rulers. They're over them as servants. They, we see the word rulers there. Rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. But they're not really rulers. They're responsible for. There's, there's, two, there's several words that are translated into rulers. And Shem Resh is what we're talking about. And we can go into the letters and why they mean. But these are really the servants. Because there were no kings. These aren't rulers as kings. Because later on when they, people decide they want to have a king to exercise authority one over the other. A president, a prime minister, whatever you want to call them. To exercise authority. And that's what everybody is out there trying to elect their president, their king for four years. 
to rule over their neighbor and force their neighbor to do what they want, they themselves will be forced to do whatever he comes up with. And guess what? I don't care who you elect. He's not going to do what you thought he was going to do. And, you know, I've been watching elections for over half a century. And, (laughs) uh, you know, if you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, you're insane. (laughs) You're not going to get what you expected. Nah, you can go do what you want. If you want to, you know, vote, go ahead. But let's not have any delusions that somehow or other your salvation is in electing a man. Until men change, the pathways of governments will not change. So what changes you? Gather together and start loving one another. Doing those works of service one for another. Find the time to gather together. I'll quote to you. It says, our kings and our God. Our king and our God. Now, who said that? I'm actually quoting from the legends of the Jews. And uh, why are they saying king and our God? Well, you know, the fact is Obama is a God. He's certainly an appointer of gods, which is a big debate because... He's going to appoint the ruling judges. And that's what the word God means. Ruling judge. Who's who's your ruling judge? Is it the God of heaven? Or is it Sotomayor? And, and the other ruling judges of the Supreme Court. They're going to decide what is good and evil for you. And the reason they have that power is because you wanted the benefits that their system, their corporate system offers you. And you didn't mind how you got them. You thought the end justified the means and the end was that you were going to get these benefits. Now, some of you say, well, I don't want the benefits. and all that. Okay, do you want to become the benefactors who don't exercise authority but exercise love for one another, service for one another, caring for one another? Because if you don't, I can't help you because there is no other way to find a free society than to operate society freely. Freely giving, freely receiving. In order to do that, You need to know one another. You can't just hand a $20 bill out the car window because somebody has a sign that says, I need help. That's irresponsible. That's insane. That's crazy. It makes you feel good, but you're an idiot. (laughs) That's, That's insane. You have to get together and know one another and start caring about one another. And get to know your minister. And that minister needs to get to know other ministers. And you need to communicate from congregation to congregation to find out if the ministers farther up the line are doing well. They did not do that in the days of Samuel. They knew there was corruption in the appeals courts of the land. Which was the Levites, the the cities of refuge. The cities of appeal is what you should call them. If you were convicted in a, of a local crime by a local jury of your peers, you could flee, you could appeal to the Levites up this tens, hundreds, and thousands and say, I got a raw deal down here. 
And they can look at the case and they can say, well, I think this is a miscarriage of justice. And we overruled the verdict. <coughs> and for, and, and you're, you're saved. They overruled the verdict. It was an appeals court. That's what that was all about. It's all about government. And we can go into the details of that explanation. I know that's new to a lot of you. But if you think that somehow or other you could murder somebody and if you were really a fast runner and you could get to this town and get there first, then they couldn't touch you. Ollie, Ollie, Olsen, free. I got to this. I mean, that's insane. Nobody's going to allow that. These were appeals courts. These cities of refuge. You would appeal up to them. There's 48 of them. For all the tribes. It's, that's all it was. It's government. That's what the Bible is talking about. It's not superstition. Now there is a mystical side to all this. If you are covetous, if you are selfish, you are, and you will, and you are willing to bite your neighbor, you're going to be devoured. Because you're a zombie. And zombies devour other people. They bite you. See, that lady I talked about in the last show, that somebody did something that offended her, she didn't like, it made her impatient. It was turning her into a zombie. That anger was clouding her vision. So she could not see the truth before her. Your selfishness clouds your willingness to bite one another, clouds your perception. And it brings you into the mire. You will fall into the mire. You will be drawn into the mire because you're like a pig. You want to fill your belly. You want to make yourself comfortable. Anyway, in this, I'll finish that quote. Our King and our God, wherefore art thou in fear by reason of a little child? In other words, the our King and our God is our Father. And we're like a little child. And Jesus said, Call no man on earth Father. And we explain all that. There are a myriad upon myriad of princes in thy realm. Rulers of thousands. Rulers of hundreds. Rulers of fifty. Rulers of tens. And overseers without number. Let the pettiest of the princes go and fetch the boy and put him in prison. What boy were they talking about? Abraham. Abraham. They wanted to get him. Why? What was Abraham doing? Abraham from his childhood was going to see things that the dead can't see. And he was going to profess them. And he would eventually lead the people out of the bondage of that king and God. Moses did the same. Abraham left with many souls, it says. Moses left with many souls. And Christians left a system that was doomed to destruction. Now today, you want to leave a system that is doomed to destruction. You cannot leave unless you start caring about one another. Jesus talks about putting your hand to the plow and right at those those same quotes that I said at the beginning of the last show. Uh, How many of you will take your hand off the plow? How many of you will falter? 
There were 12 apostles in the upper room. 120 names in the upper room. That means names. What is that? Names. It's a, that, that's something that's named. Identified. That, why 120? Because there's 10 per apostle. They were organizing themselves and they went out and thousands were baptized. As soon as they were baptized, they could no longer get the social welfare offered by the Pharisees through the government temple. So now they had to provide that social welfare in another way through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. And this began, this was repentance. Repent and get baptized. Get get registered. You register yourself and you can unregister yourself. When you register with the system of the Pharisees, you go into debt. You, your Corbin, your sacrifice will be compelled and it, that system will make the Word of God to none effect. You want to make the Word of God to effect, you have to come together in a system. You have to find the time to come together in a system that operates by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. So I, I got questions that were asked of me and we've been going through some of them during this series. And now I'm down in my notes here to another one. Uh, in Acts one fifteen, it says, In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. These were the students of Christ. Were studying to be the ministers of Christ. And, said, and were appointed a kingdom by Christ. According to the text. And he said, The number of names together were about 120. So, this is the organization. They stood up together. They backed one another. It's even as late as the ninth and 10th centuries, amongst the Lombard kings, there was something called deans connected to ten families. They had this word deans. The, the word originated from the Latin deconus, which is a lot like deacon which was actually a military term of the Romans in their Latin, because the Romans used a lot of Greek words. There was a thing called a decurius, uh, was used in early writings as well. Deca and decate in the Greek. This is tens and tithes. This was a system used for thousands of years by men to organize free societies. That we're not rulers, but servants of the people. We're going to talk about how that worked. And why that is the only way out for you today. When we return to Keys of the Kingdom. So, welcome back. So, in this next half hour, we're going to have to look at how this all fits together and uh, try to make sense out of this for our time. Uh, it's really so simple that if you want to force your neighbor, you will be forced. If you want to neglect your neighbor, you will be neglected. It's that simple. 
If you want to be a socialist and, and, and force your neighbor through men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority, you will be forced. If you do not want to take care of your neighbor voluntarily, your neighbor will not take care of you voluntarily. This is, and it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, I don't know a Republican who isn't a socialist. Because they all believe in public education. You know, I mean, it's, there's no turning away from it. So how how does this kingdom of God, the question was written to me, what scripture shows that ten elders chose a Levite providing a network of charitable ministration? The word charity is not even in the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament, you won't find the word charity anywhere. But you will find free will offerings. Why were they having these free will offerings to the Levites? All across the land. Why were the Levites in all these different towns? We talked about this in earlier shows in, in greater depth. And why in patterns of ten? Why do we see this deca and decate, uh, decate in, uh, in the Greek? And decanos in, in uh, the Latin. And decurious. And, and even up at the deans in the Lombards. Why do we see these tens all the time? Because this is how they organize themselves. In voluntary systems, yeah, they give charity. And they help take care of. Because they're not just handing $20 bills out the car window to some bum on the street corner. They're actually working together to find out who, because, I mean, you only got so many $10 bills or $20 bills. You got to make sure that it goes to the best and most important part. I mean, God doesn't put, you know, so five quarts of blood in your body and say, you know, if you need blood anywhere, just sh- jiggle until it gets there. No, there's a heart pumping it through veins and through capillaries. So get it to every crook and cranny of your body. Because you only got so much blood and it's got to do the job that it needs to do when it needs to do it. So he creates a system and we call it a vascular system of arteries and veins. He creates a communication system called our nervous system. He's got a brain in your head, but most of you don't use but about 10% of it at the most. But there's there's a method, there's a system to the body. And that's why the body of Christ is called the body of Christ, because there's a system to it. And there's a spiritual element to all this. If you want to be a part of Christ's body, you have to conform to what he said and what Moses said. And you have to look out amongst yourselves and find men you trust, you know, like what we read back in Deuteronomy. And put them over this business of free will offerings to take care of the needy of your society through pure religion. What is pure religion? Visiting the sick and elderly and needy. And it's only pure if it's unspotted by the world. And all those religious groups we mentioned in the last show or in the last half hour, I think I brought it up, they're not unspotted. They're very spotted. They're very much of the world and dependent upon the world and the people who exercise authority 
And those people who exercise authority one over the other have ruling judges which they appoint. Go read Rome versus us. We've got... Go, go look at that. Your president is a an appointer of gods. Just like Caesar was an appointer of gods. The apotheos. And you celebrate it in your capital dome. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to be brought up to speed. Join the network. People will help you. But you got to take time out for them if you expect them to take time out for you. Now, we can go into your houses, lay hands on you, and all this kind of stuff, but it isn't going to do any good for you in the long run if you do not repent and start taking care of the righteousness of those who come to serve and help. Are they helping? If they're not helping, tell them they're not helping. They can leave and go somewhere else where they can't help. What is this works that they talk about in Revelations and in the New Testament over and over again? Judged according to your works. There's a word in the Old Testament. Aboda. You know, most Hebrew words are only three letters long. And, uh, but occasionally, you'll find that they're four letters long. And there's a reason for that. Why they're four letters long. And in this case, they add a hey on the end. Which is an emphasis word. But this, this word aboda, it's often translated service. You know, almost a hundred times it's, it's translated service. But it's also translated servile. It's also translated work, which is a lot like service. But eight times it's translated bondage. Bondage. And servitude. Tillage. Labor. Which labor could be service. So, so where do we find it? Well, we find it all over the place. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible lots and lots of times. Uh, but, you know, in Exodus uh, 2.23, it's translated bondage. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, Apoda, that they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of their of the bondage, aboda, which is this other word for service, which the ministers are supposed to provide. You see, in Egypt, all the gold and silver was in the hands of the government. Your land belonged to the government. Your labor belonged to the government. So, therefore, they could tax it. 20% of everything you did, the value of it, had to go to the government. That's bondage. That was the bondage of Egypt. Now, we were, when we were taken out of that, we were told never to return there. And if you ever make a constitution, you had to write in the constitution that the, the leaders had no power to bring you back into bondage. And they didn't until you started applying for benefits. It wasn't really in the constitution saying they couldn't do it. Because in the Constitution it said you had a right to contract. So you had a right to apply for benefits. And the government could provide those benefits out of its surplus. And if the terms of that application was that they could take from you. Or you agreed to the idea that they could take from others to provide for you. Then they can take from you to provide for others. And you didn't have 
you didn't have David, I mean, you didn't have uh, Joseph making the deal for you. And so they could, they don't have to limit it to 20%, one-fifth. They can take 30%, 40%, 50%. In the case of Denmark, as we talked in the earlier show, they can take 80 or 90% of your labor. Even the the, uh, the head of the government accounting office said that the present rate, and we, we explain this in articles, uh, of increase that children born today, they will owe over 90% of all their labor to the government. Because you've chosen to go away contrary to the ways of Moses, Abraham, and Jesus Christ. In Exodus uh, 6.9, And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for, a, for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. The word bondage there, aboda, which is supposed to be service, cruel service then. That's what they're saying, for cruel service. What do they mean, cruel service? What what are they talking about, cruel service? You know, it's it's like, uh, you know, that that word cruel is uh, is translated hard more often than cruel. Uh, sore, grievous. It's also translated. Where do we see grievous sore? It's in Revelation because of the mark of the beast. That it would give you a grievous sore. Well, that, that's the, the cruel aboda, the cruel uh, service. You see, because the fact you have the mark of the beast, you have it now. And by that mark, you get benefits. But by that mark, they get to take away from you. Because you deemed it was okay to take away from others. You deemed it was okay to bite your neighbor. Because he's probably a rich guy, right? You don't know who he is, but you know they said they're going to take from the rich. And of course they do take from the rich. But they take most from the middle class. And you think that's okay as long as you get your benefit. Your free school, your free health care, your free whatever. And so therefore... You get to be devoured because you're getting to be more and more people who don't want to work. It takes me back to that rancher. They they work. My grandkids they're learning to work. They're pretty little, but they're working. They choose to do that. They choose to come over and help. It makes sense to them because they see. See that we live a life of helping one another. In Sweden, Norway, Germany, France, they've been biting one another for so long that somebody can be being raped in a car and they'll scurry by. They won't help. They won't come to their aid. It's a learned behavior. You know, the the uh, the the Nicolaitan in the era of Baal. What is that? People are conquered by their covetousness. That's what it is. 
they're conquered because they desire to take a bite out of one another, to eat that which was sacrificed to idols. The cruel aboda, the forced aboda. John the Baptist said, until John the Baptist, everybody thought forcing their neighbor to provide free education, forcing their neighbor to provide health care, forcing their neighbor to provide a fire department for them was okay. But John the Baptist said, no. You have to do this by charity, by sharing. Again, where do we know that this is what the Old Testament was doing? How can you see it any other way? Somebody is, you know, they want to know. They wanted to ask this question because they're trying to convince somebody else. I'm sure. Who was asking, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Where does it say it not? How, how are they functioning as a society? You know, when they were starving in the wilderness, there were some that had herds, big herds. They had to, to run those herds and butcher them to eat meat to survive. Because, I mean, you could only carry so many beans with you. <laughs> you had to have food. And you're crossing the desert, so they had to eat of their flocks. You know, my uh, my 11-year-old could go out on the desert with a hundred sheep, and a hundred sheep is what? Uh, you know, it's ten thousand pounds of meat, and then some, because it's a renewable resource. So if he was to go out on the desert with uh, all the food that he could carry, what is he going to carry? 50 pounds of beans? 100 pounds of rice? He can just walk along and travel with 10,000 pounds of meat. (laughs) That's what the Israelites were doing. But they had to share. They had to share their flocks. How did they know how to do this? To the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The contributions. Everybody shared what they needed to share to get by. They weren't being selfish. They learned what it meant not to be selfish. You have to go into all these socialist nations, including the United States and Australia, and teach the people how to repent of their selfishness and repent of their sloth. So you got selfishness and sloth. Everybody who is slothful should be under tribute. And if, and if you're going to stay under tribute, you're going to find out you have less and less time. <laughs> you're going to say, "I got to do this and I got to do that," and I got to... And, and because you're you've already you've got years of sloth behind you. We haven't been seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Years ago, you should have formed congregations, started contributing, and learning what it meant to take care of one another. In the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because you didn't do that, they're going to appoint people from the top down to make you contribute. And of course, thieves and robbers will break into their treasury and eat it up. Because you've been slothful in the ways of Christ. You have to come together. There is no other salvation than you lay down your life to save others. There is no other way to be a free society unless you come together and sacrifice your time, your energy, your egos, <laughs> vanity for others. 
Not just those that love you, because there is no grace in that. What grace is there if you only love those who love you? You must cast your bread upon the waters. You must seek the righteousness of God. Not the tribe of this or the congregation of that or the or the denomination of this or that or this doctrine or that doctrine. If you're not taking care of your mother and your father, you're worse than a heathen. That's what it says in the Bible. Oh, infidel actually is the word they use. Infidel. You know what an infidel is? It's an unbeliever. You don't really believe. You can have all the doctrines you want and repeat all the, memorize all these Bible quotes. If you're not actually taking care of providing for, that doesn't mean living off of their social security check or living off of their labor. It means you're providing for them. You're not a believer. I don't care what your doctrine is. You're not a believer. Now, the bad news is that many of you qualify. Good news is that you can repent. Change your thinking. Start back the other way. And God will give you the energy and the courage and the strength to do what you need to do. But if you're going to be going around self-righteously judging others, expect to be judged. If you're going to go around self-righteously neglecting others, expect to be neglected. If you're going to go around being a zombie, expect to be destroyed by zombies. You're already destroyed. You're already dead. Let the dead bury the dead. Let's come alive. You know, one of the things that uh, I always was impressed uh, in the Bible with is that they talk about if you find yourself a surety for debt. That you had to repent. You had to turn around. You had to go this other way. And they said, you know, you know, sluggard, you know, how long will you <laughs> keep making excuses? But remember the ant. He doesn't have any leader, ruler, taskmaster whipping him. He just chooses to gather together and work together to get the job done. That They're telling you something. These are parables of the Old Testament. The the Levites were to serve the tents of the t- tabernacle of the congregation. We talked about this before. And the tabernacles of the congregation are the tents of the congregation. That's why they were spread out in every village and court throughout the uh, the land. They weren't all at the big tent. They were out there serving the little tents of each family. In pure religion. That's taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Exodus 33:7 And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. But yet they talk about the camp being all around the tabernacle. These are metaphoric stories. 
and we could go into them, but we don't have enough time today, of how this is. But it's very clear. Common sense will tell you. And that's why, you know, I wrote the book, Thy Kingdom Come, so that you start to see this. But I could have made it, you know, a thousand pages long. But you, the fact is, this has to be written on your heart. You know, the, the, the making of books, there is no end. You're not going to see. You're going to remain blind guides. Or maybe not even guides. Just going to remain blind. <laughs> Follow blind guides. Unless you start to turn around and actually put your repentance into action. Because it's not those who say, Lord, Lord. It's the those who doeth the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that you love one another. And so they, they ask questions like, please provide references to verify these similar cell patterns were evident in the persecuted church. Well, you know, I, I've done that with the 12 and the 120. I've do, done that with the history of the Gauls and the Franks and the uh, uh, Teutons. It was common knowledge back then. But because we're not actually doing what Christ said... We're in the mire and we're sucking the life out of society. So people say, I just don't have time to care about my neighbor as much as I care about myself. I got, I got to go, you know, do all this stuff. I just, I just cannot devote the time. It's a test and you're failing the test. Your works are that of iniquity. And I beg you, repent, turn around. Start coming together. Start caring about one another. Enough to make the time. Because you're going to have more tasks ahead. It's going to be harder and harder to repent. Bad men cannot make good citizens. It is when the people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. A vitiated state of morals, a corrupted public conscience is incompatible with freedom. No free government or blessing of liberty can be preserved to any people but by a firm adherence to justice, moderation, temperance, frugality and virtue by a frequent recurrence to fundamental principles. That's Patrick Henry. The guy who said, you know, this this constitution was written as if good men will take office. When bad men take office, they will steal your rights through ambuscade. And that's exactly what's happened. But it's only because you are willing to steal from your neighbor, take from your neighbor, covet your neighbor. All societies form groups. Elephants, they form groups. Wolves form groups. Dolphins form pods. Orcas. All these animals. Lions form their prides. It's just common sense. That's, that, that's how it works. Uh, you know, th- there was a story I talked about. There was a guy, Eric, who, who he weighed over 300 pounds and uh, he was dying. And finally, he got a middle-aged dog. That's what the, the dietician said. Get a dog. 
and start taking care of it. He started thinking about somebody else other than himself. That's why you gather. To start thinking about somebody else other than yourself. So start gathering. Until then, may peace be upon your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.